0: Well, I think uh, what we talked a lot about already, you need the regular exercise. something that you enjoy doing. I don't enjoy going to the gyms. I've Mm -hmm. tried it a few times, and and, and I don't enjoy going to the gyms. I'd rather be uh, hiking Mm -hmm. or out on a bicycle or something like that. So find something you enjoy that relaxes you and and, uh, not golf.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not golf, no. And, I, I'm uh, not playing golf anymore for different reasons, but that's not. I apologize to the golfers and if you enjoy it, go for it. Today's episode is a longevitarian spotlight. This is where we'll focus on a person that is walking the walk and that is extending their health span and their lifespan all at the same time. Today, we'll be shining the light on a dear friend of mine, Bob Wholesale. Bob, welcome to the Modern Longevitarian Podcast.
0: Well, it's a privilege to be here, Scott.
1: So Bob and I, let me give you a little context here. Bob and I have known each other for eight years, you know, or longer.
0: Probably longer.
1: Yeah, but we've been really close. Bob was a mentor for me for over five years. I helped him with his men's breakfast, you know, Saturday mornings at church. And um, he's been a huge part of my life. And even some of the darkest days that I've had, but Bob's 78. And um, we just went for a hike in the Uinta National Forest. We hiked for over three miles. And just about two weeks ago, we hiked over four hours, over six miles. I was 34 hours fasted at the time. And at times I was struggling to keep up. (laughs) So, Um, The reason I have Bob on the show is I wanted to um, really highlight his path, his journey for health, and also lay down how that is different from his parents and how he's adjusted in a modern world to make that happen. And so, where I want to start is you've recently, you and your wife both, have switched over to being keto and intermittent fasting. So if you can like give us why you did that, what results you've seen and and we can get into more what you your diet what it looks like today.
0: Well, we've been struggling with weight for many many years and the weight's gone up and it's gone down and last year I was uh, trying to lose weight and I was staying at right around between 195 and 205. And I counted calories. I had weeks, months where I didn't get over 200 calories, I mean, 800 calories a week. And I was still couldn't lose weight. I'd go down a little bit and go right back up. It was really frustrating. And then a year ago, this August, uh, Sadie's sister came to visit us and Dorothy was a mere fraction of what she used to be. She uh, had gone keto, and Dorothy had always had uh, weight issues, and and I think she'd, like me, and Sadie had gone to a point several times where you just give up, and you say, I, you know, I guess I'm just going to be fat, you know, and, and, uh, but she uh started on keto and and we don't she lives in california we live in utah so we don't see each other very often and she shows up and uh, i just she just doesn't look like the same lady anymore she's she's down really really down in her weight from where she ever had been and uh we we said this is it you know the We're going to so right away while she was here, we went and started frying up all the bacon and getting rid of the turkey bacon and and going for real pork and and uh, and after she left, we just kept it up. Well, over a period of just a couple months, all those pounds I'd been fighting—forty pounds—came off, Mm. you know. And then, then um, blood pressure. I was always fighting. The blood pressure was always around one in the high 120s and the 130s and and now the average day is I mean between 110 and and 120. Uh, so the blood pressure went down, uh, always been active, avid skier for the last 50 plus years. And so uh, we had the activity. but with the weight loss, you do it better it's more comfortable and and uh, so the and the hiking's the same way you used to struggle go hiking but would struggle snowshoeing struggling you know and now it, it's pretty easy Except for that straight up hike we did this morning,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was. uh, That was not an intermediate hike. That was definitely a mislabeled trail for sure. So if anybody is out going on Yellow Pines, just as you step your toes into, you went a national forest. um, That's not an intermediate hike. Intermediate hike, excuse me. But um, you know, so I'm thinking. You know, doing the timeline, you started keto. You were seventy seven. When you started yep. right, a year ago, what was it? And, and I don't want to glance over this because mindset is such a huge piece of it. And I know you are very flexible when it comes to those, you know, mindset type things. But what was it like switching your diet completely? You know, at seventy-seven.
0: Well, we were excited about it. I mean, it, it's uh, we're still excited about it. You know, and we're still getting on the scale every morning and looking at the numbers and say, I can't believe it. You know, and and so we're excited. It yeah. was a, a great adventure, you know, in eating. And all the carbs, the stuff, you know, they try to tell you low fat, you know, everything's low fat. Well, the keto is high fat. And so we, the things we were staying away from, you know, like like uh, steaks, uh Flank steaks and ribeyes and stuff like that became part of our normal diet again, and and cheese and and uh, bacon and stuff like that, and it was a, uh, an exciting change. We wasn't didn't feel like we were suffering at all. That we gave up the, a lot of the carb stuff. I used to like the popcorn, you know, but pop, and they say it's a good snack food, and but it's uh, got lots of carbs. And so we don't eat popcorn anymore. But some of the things we used to not eat, we eat because they're high in fat. And some of the low-fat stuff we used to eat, we don't eat anymore. So right. it's kind of changing. Um, I didn't give up eating, but we uh, too much anyway. But uh, we did uh, switch from low fat to high
1: fat, and then we do fast. The, right. That's been a, a, a real help. In, right. In and I diet. want to get into fasting for a second. But before we do that, um, you know, you ate, um, y- you know, breakfast this morning before we went on a hike. So tell everybody, the listeners, what you had for <laughs> breakfast this morning.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I had a ribeye steak, fried onions, and two pieces of bacon and some mel- melted cheese. That's
1: that sounds like the Breakfast of Champions. That's definitely not Wheaties, right? <laughs> uh,
0: no more Wheaties. No more Wheaties. But that it was it's coming off mm-hmm. a thirty six hour fast too. And I want to eat this morning because I was hiking and I might have gone into kept the fast going, except that I wanna have, you know, some food, to get the body to start burning that fat uh, for the, the hike we were gonna go on.
1: Right. And so how often do you fast? Like extended fast, like 36 hours, like that? Oh, at least once a week.
0: Mm. Uh, to, and uh, to try to keep the, the weight adjusted, you need to do that. And and there's a lot of keto doctors that really support intermittent fasting and uh, long term fasting. We try to, it doesn't always work because people invite you out for dinner and that. But uh, typically, we try not to eat anything after two o'clock in the afternoon. And so we're always most days we have a sixteen hour fast going
1: into the day. Right. I mean, because you are you your your fasting schedule is completely opposite of, of mine. I mean, I've been intermittent fasting for eight and a half years, and if you're a regular listener to the show, yeah, I talk about that almost every time. And that was a key to my weight loss. And there's so many correlations to Bob's story and mine. We both lost forty pounds and struggled. We kind of get to that forty pound thing and then bite it back off and and those type of things, but I don't eat breakfast. Like I fasted this morning, um, and, and still fasted. I've only had a bulletproof coffee post hike, and, um, and but yet you and I eat up until eight o'clock at night. Sometimes a little bit later because I'm I'm a more of a night person. But you're more of a morning person. You found what works for you and your wife Sadie, where um, you eat breakfast and then you don't eat after two o'clock, and so you don't have a dinner where that would that would totally crush me. I would, it wouldn't work. So um, how did you stumble upon the intermittent fasting where um, you, you eat breakfast, you eat and you don't eat after two o'clock and then you don't have dinner?
0: Well, we took a lot of it from the, the doctors on, on, on the web, you know, the keto doctors. uh, That's the kind of things they advise. I don't always eat breakfast nowadays. Mm. Quite often uh, I have uh, one meal around noon uh, i might not have any breakfast i had breakfast this morning because i was going to do some activity and and wanted the the energy to to do the to do the hike but normally quite often i don't have breakfast i used to scott knows i, loves my, I love my bacon and eggs and steak and eggs and we've co- cooked a lot of steak and eggs together uh but i don't always eat that anymore you know so. M- m- Quite often, uh, it's just eating sometime early afternoon, and then that's it.
1: And then, uh, Right. And that, but I love that. I love because I, I what I really, my message is, is that we're all doing an experiment for one. And what works for me may not work for Bob. And then also, like, it may not work for the same people in the household, and I, I think that it's a blessing in a lot of ways that you and Sadie can can definitely reach your goals and be on the same schedule and do the same things and, and be very similar with that because um, some people, it may, it may be complete opposite. You know, like in my house, my wife's more of a Mediterranean. She's more of a pescatarian, more of a plant-based in a lot of ways. And, you know, we recently just had a conversation um, that – you know, I do better when I eat more meat and it's just let's support each other as we go down our independent paths towards finding what works for for each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's extremely, extremely important. And that's what one, one of the reasons why I wanted to to really have you on the show. So let's back up a little bit. You know, Bob, you, you've been you know, there's different different strategies you used over the years. I mean, you've told me stories like. Uh, when you lived in California, you used to bike from Anaheim to San Diego to burn a bunch of calories, and you were really in shape then. But you you also were counting calories before there were any, before there was the internet, before there were computers, before there were apps on phones to do that. So, tell the listeners um, how you counted calories. Well, we were when
0: Sadie and I got married. Um, I I'm, I've been a little overweight, but not very much. But then, um, marriage life and the contentment and the low stress and and all that uh, tends to relax you. And we were uh, Sadie's always had some weight issues herself, so we were we were ended up um, enjoying our food too much, and and uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, four years into the marriage, you know, I was, I, when we got married, I was probably around 170. And my time, uh, we were about four years in the marriage, I was about 200. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, and I had a friend who I was about 38 and I had a friend who was 40, who had a, a triple bypass surgery. And uh, that was a red flag to me, you know, because I, I'm only a couple of years older, younger than this guy. And, and he's had, you know, major heart surgery. And so I decided I wanted to get rid of the weight. And I always liked bicycling. So we got ourselves some road bikes and we started bicycling and we went, in those days, like I said, it didn't, people didn't have PCs. This was a the Dark Ages in the last century, and we, we went to the uh, grocery. The grocery stores had these little books. I never knew about these books. My wife did, uh, that gave you all the calorie counts. And so we'd weigh the food and and uh, record the calorie counts. And I got I, we don't throw a lot away. My the books are still down in the basement, you know? <laughs> uh, so I could show you the records. You know of, of uh, how much. Um, we lost doing the calorie counting, but even though we didn't, no one knew about keto in those days. Though there was some keto uh, studies going on, uh, we we did, you know, do some of the carb cutting. We got rid of the potatoes. We got rid of the breads. We got rid of the cakes and the and the rice, and and so we started concentrating more on vegetables. But we we're going low fat too, you know, try to get rid of the fat. Which is, and for us, for that time, it worked, you know, for a while. Um, in fact, it worked for a long while. It worked for maybe seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as I kept up the bicycling. I, I, would, I was living in um, Costa Mesa, and I would think nothing of hopping on my back, bike and, and riding down to San Clemente and back in an afternoon just just to get out and kind of stretch my legs in those days. And I did some running some some um uh ten k runs and stuff mm. like that, so I was pretty active in in my forties and up into my fifties I was in national ski patrol in my fifties and um you know we just but then we uh, you know <laughs> the one funny thing is that we went vegetarian and they uh that was a mistake because we we ended up eating too much and my joke was that there's you know the, there's no meat in chocolate cake <laughs> so yeah. so the weight went back up you know and then I we moved I moved to the bay area and I was working for a high tech company and in the marketing and so all that was uh, the the lunches and the dinners and and it just quit watching my weight so i i gained a lot uh, gained, a, uh, gained it all back in my late 50s early 60s and i retired i got to part to my dream which was to live in park city uh near a ski resort and that was going to be my retirement and uh i was very over, overweight out of condition and i remember um getting my new ski boots my new skis and my season pass to park city and going up there on the chairlift and skiing down and i'd have to stop periodically to rest and these little girls come by and say are you okay you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh. so so we started watching our weight then and it went down a little bit Uh, no particular program just trying to get back into the the uh, calorie counting and that. And then, uh, 2010, uh, say he went for a knee replacement Mm. and the doctor who's doing a knee replacement. was kind of a very famous guy and has worked on some very famous people there. Yeah. But anyway, he, uh, kind of blunt, you know, and he, he told say, he says, you're obese. You need to lose some weight, you know, uh, And when well, that inspired us, and but you know what we were doing wasn't working, right? And there was, I think it was called HCG. We we went at, through our chiropractor, got this, and that kind of got us started. You know, I didn't, I didn't stand up very long because I didn't was feeling strange, but it got us back to counting calories and recording things uh, like we had before. And the weight went off. So, by 10 years ago, I was down to the weight I am now. Right. Around the 160s or so. And I remember going to a friend's wedding in New Mexico. And one and of the guys says, I haven't worn that size pants since I was a teenager. You know, <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, you know, it, but it didn't stick. It didn't stay, you know. And, and uh, so... It, it's so important to monitor, monitor. Get on the scale every day, you know. Be pay attention to what you are eating, record it. You know, I do a spreadsheet, and you can do it on a spreadsheet. We had a spreadsheet set. We calculate our calories, but um, and so anyway, we crept back up to two hundred. But in the keto, we feel like keto is something we is sustainable. We can do it. We can continue doing it. We don't right. want to go back to, you know, that, that extra weight. In fact, I like to lose a few another 10 pounds or so.
1: Right. So. You know, it's a very interesting, you know, path with that because I've heard so many different stories where people have the same thing. Mine is the same way. I've lost 40 pounds at least twice. You know, I had a sympathy belly when my wife was pregnant with our first son, <laughs> right? I married an amazing cook, uh, and, um, and I worked in the restaurant business for almost 30 years. So I was around a lot of really great food and endless supplies of food. And uh, somebody had to taste the cheesecake to make sure it's cooked the right way. <laughs> and I was also a fat vegetarian too. So I, I definitely uh, understand that, you know, the the ratios of macronutrients, sugar and carbs and, and those things and how they can get out of balance when you're vegetarian, um, you know, what I want to talk about now, because this is so interesting to me and, you know, um, is how your life is different at 78 versus where your parents were at the same age, um, which I don't think your dad actually made it this this far. No, he didn't. Right. Yeah. So um, how's your life different than what your parents was? you know, at the same age, or, and your dad passed away at 70, right?
0: Yeah, well, my well, my dad was 77, and mm-hmm. so it just, yes, last year was an interesting year because I realized that hit the the year that my dad died in, and, and said, well, I'm feeling pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, doing all right. Um, we, when I was a kid, you know, we ate um, the standard American meat and potatoes diet, you know, and... And uh, apple pie and ice cream and and all that. And my parents seemed to be slim. My mom always had a high uh, metabolism, so she was always could eat just about anything she wanted, except for she had allergies. But but uh, she would uh, never really picked up a lot of weight for her size. She was always skinny. Um, and dad seemed to be. If I look at the pictures of him when he was uh, in his 40s and that, it seemed to be about average weight. You you wouldn't think of him as being overweight, Mm -hmm. though by our modern scales and charts, they probably would say he's overweight, Right, was overweight then, but he wasn't, he didn't have a big belly or anything. He did when he was older, as he got older and and he started, uh, and he would eat... Mom said he was eating cookies all the time. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, so he he died um, the year I turned fifty. Just of, about maybe three or four weeks after I turned fifty, he died at seventy-seven. Mm. And uh, so, but he was even at uh, seventy or in the sixties, uh, he he couldn't do the things I'm doing today. He couldn't. I was really into bicycling, and still am. I still have a a mountain bike, and I, I get out on my mountain bike uh, regularly. Uh, but Dad, I took him out for a bicycle ride, and he was probably in his sixties at the time, or late sixties, and he struggled. He struggled, mm-hmm. and we went. We came uh, in the eight nineteen eighties, came here to Park City. We bought a house that. Uh, because already then I was thinking about retirement in Park City, and uh, we were on Main Street. And if you've been on Main Street in Park City, you know it's it's very vertical, right? <laughs> yeah. And and Dad was having a struggle walking up Main Street in uh, Park City, and that was he's probably in his late sixties then. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we had the house at least uh, ten years. We didn't move and until uh 2002 uh to park city but we bought the house in the 1980s so we we probably he's probably in his 60s early late 60s when you know he couldn't do that dad did um when he retired um he always wanted to do wood carving and he's done. did i've inherited some great wood carvings that he did uh did carousel horses? He did mm-hmm. uh, turtles and and uh, beautiful, beautiful work. And I still have some of it. Um, but uh, he didn't. He sat in his little shop with his wood carving tools, and that's all he did. Right. He didn't get out and walk. He didn't get out and do any kind of doing. Exercise was not part of their agenda. Right. Doing exercise was always my part. part. Right. It started out when I was about 23 and I learned to ski, and that was probably helped me extend my life because I just love, still love skiing, you know, 50 plus years and I still can't get enough of it. Right. And then skiing in the wintertime, I got to have something in the summertime. So, summertime became. Um, bicycling it became hiking uh, it was motorcycle racing for a while and I survived that my go-kart <laughs> racer over here yep, that's he pain. survived the go-karts and uh, yep. <clears throat> so I think um, one of the things that's helped me be where I'm at today is that I was always active somewhat active right. And there was, when we were bicycling I'd go into the I couldn't do it today but I I'd go into the health club and I'd do two aerobics classes back to back in an evening mm-hmm. you know and uh, you know it was just the body was running
1: so good at that time right know, so so I, I mean yeah, I start with mindset and and you know I definitely movement and exercise is high on the is one of the pillars when it comes to longevity and I, I, it's so refreshing to hear that I mean you're living this I mean you're and you're You're extending your health span. You're extending your lifespan, uh, and and those are big pieces of it of what's going on. And you also talked about um, today while we were hiking. You were talking about your mom, and she was feeble at this age. So maybe you can talk about that.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go there. Um, It just dawned on me today, actually, uh, because I was thinking this year was my last year was the year my dad died, but mom at 78. Uh, she was living by herself, and she was getting feeble. You know, she was – dementia was creeping in, and she was having trouble walking. She was on a walker. Uh, we moved her – we were living in the Santa Cruz Mountains in California, and we moved her from where she was living down in Victorville to our house, and she was a handful. She, she just
1: mm.
0: – she uh, was – on a walker. And when we got here and she was um, early eighties, uh, she had to be on oxygen and, and, you know, she's so, you know, she couldn't do the things I'm doing at this age. In fact, she was de- visibly, visibly deteriorating. Mm. And I think it was, you know, like, like I said, she, there was no uh, health standards and she was, they never uh, – she never did any uh, regular exercise and stuff like that. Right. And, and, and is so, a, uh, she died around 84, I think. Mm. And so it's, it was um, – yeah, it was around 84.
1: You know, that's something I, I just you know, realized or heard the other day where people are living longer and we're keeping people alive longer with pharmaceuticals, but we are not – Extending the the prime years of someone's life for what is now becoming health span, and we are just lingering around in rest homes or, you know, those type of things. And and what I really love, and I and I've loved this for a long, long time, is is really pulling out the wisdom of people who are living life um, to the best they possibly can, and not really slowing down all that much. I mean, you've been retired for. 18 years 18 years yeah Yeah, 18 years and I've forgotten to go to work for the last 18 years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so I mean you know when you start thinking about extending health span out for let's say that you know 85 or you know you're still able to to go on maybe not on a hike like we did today but a little bit flatter hike like we did last week right and you know and, and think about you know eight years from now, 10 years from now where, where you're at, because like there's an old saying is that, you know, hinges that don't move rust. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you open a gate, the, the, the hinges on that gate won't rust because you move it. Right. And I think that's one of the things that, that are showing how important um, not slowing down, down is because people say that you, you, that, you know, metabolism slows down when we, when we age, I think that we slow down mentally. We stop moving. We eat the same that we've been eating and we end up gaining weight where, I mean, I'm hearing you ate bacon and ribeye and fried onions this morning, but yet, you know, burned a couple hundred calories on a hike. You know, last week you did a hike. I, I didn't go on that hike and you were fasted for 36 hours when you went on that hike. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. And we went on the same trail and we went further up. You know, we started last week at eight. Around eight o'clock in the morning, we didn't get back to the car until about one thirty. Wow, so, and uh, that was, and that
1: trail's steep. it And it's very rocky. It's not an easy trail, right? You definitely have to pay attention to make sure you don't turn an ankle or something on that mm-hmm. on that one. The other thing is Sadie and I are dancers, and mm. though we don't get to dance, we
0: we do the swing. And we had you knew how did Lindy Hop and things like that. And when we go occasionally, we get to a place where we can, where they're playing the right kind of music. Uh, we get out and and do our swing dancing, and people love it. Yeah, uh, we're uh, uh, don't get to do it as often as we like, but we can still do it. Yeah. And we had a friend from South America, and they were having a wedding. Um, last year in September and so we got on the we uh, found some uh, salsa lessons on the uh, tv and we we uh, learned how to do the salsa because we figured there was South America and they'd be doing Latin style music and so we were we were able to do some salsa at their wedding
1: you know and everyone get a kick out of us because we're right (laughs) well you know that's That's movement. You know, I mean, when you look at the blue zones and do you, are you familiar with the blue zones, what they are? Um, It's basically um, Dan Buettner wrote a book. I think it was sponsored by the National Geographic. There are five areas of the world that have the highest populations of people over a hundred years old. And they wrote a book about it and it's called blues and each one of these zones are, are called blue zones. And there's one in Japan, Okinawa, Japan. One in Greece. One in Italy, Costa Rica, and uh, Loma Linda, California, the home to the Seven Day Adventist oh. um, Church, because they're vegetarians. They fast one day a week, right? So um, they 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 do really well. And um, where I guess the rest of America doesn't are not vegetarians and don't fast um, one day a week, and um, And so, but my point being is this, is that in all of these blue zones, there's no official structured exercise. There's just movement through gardening, dancing. In Japan, there is martial arts, right? But it's not like, hey, I have to go to the gym and bench press 225 pounds or do an aerobic um, uh, type of of movement. And, And so, there's not, so it's more about or exercise structured exercise plan. There's more about just daily movement than there is about exercise. Um, what exercise is really is a supplement to make up for the fact that we don't actually move during the day. We're sitting. You're, you were a computer engineer by trade. I was a restaurant manager. I was on my feet, but I was also you know behind a desk a lot. Uh, you know as as well. And so we're kind of making up for those type of things as we sit behind computers and sit at desks a, a lot and i think it's really important that you talk about dancing because that's one of the ways that people actually would move or exercise before we had TVs and radios and now computers and phones and screens and devices and whatever you want to call them i think that so i think that's an extremely important piece of the of the puzzle when it comes to movement um and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. That wasn't um, it wasn't top of mind for me, but I do remember that about you and Sadie, um, dancing and you talking about that before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's you see said
0: something else we've done. Uh, we, we like to listen to books on Audible, and you get wrapped up in a book. And you want you don't want to leave it, you know. So we we'd catch ourselves sitting on the couch listening to these books. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a years ago we bought the grandkids a Wii, and we we bought a Wii for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of sitting there and, and feeling you know atrophine, we we'd get the uh, Wii going while we're listening to the the audio book, and we do the the tennis we and golf we and baseball we and, and all that and it's a lot of fun but also it gets our bodies moving while we're just doing the, a listening thing. You know? Right. And so of course Dude. I got an acre and it keeps me busy. I got 14 chickens that keep me busy and, and I'm always doing house projects. I'm always building things and, and stuff. So I'm, uh, even if I'm not Going to a gym. I'm, I'm active. I'm busy every day doing something, digging holes, or planting a garden. We got a garden
1: going. So. Right. Yeah, you even helped me put in a door a couple years ago. So it's like I've <laughs> seen some of your woodcraft <laughs> work firsthand, you know, with that. And, you know, I was also thinking too, I know that you're in your heart, Nepal is really a special place in your heart. Um, you do missions there, um, mm-hmm. have really good friends of yours there. And um, and I was thinking about movement and how they walk, I mean, they hike to get place to place. And so what have you seen in your travels to Nepal when it comes to like this old world way of traveling in the mountains?
0: Well, yeah, the roads on, in Nepal, very interesting because you've, uh, very poor, a lot of very poor people, and you'll see a lot of people walking on the roads, and they go into the – with big bundles of um, vegetation, you know, yes. yeah. clippings yeah. Uh, that they take in to feed their, their animals, and you'll be going on these hilly roads in the mountains, and you'll see people. They look like a walking bush. I got a <laughs> – I'm not kidding you. got all this – uh, these cuttings of leaves and that strapped onto their back and men and women and they, they're they walking up the, the uh, street with these. It's quite common to see. We stopped at one place uh, where they had this um, huge um, place where this the, where the river comes through, you know, and it's very wide. It's maybe over football field Mm -hmm. wide and a suspension bridge so you know the americans want to get out and get out of the bus and walk across the bridge and and take pictures and that's a lot of fun but we were we stopped this one place and we're there on the bridge and i looked up and up there on the hill you could see these these people and they're like hikers coming down switchbacks and stuff like that and we were on the bridge long enough that they came and caught up with us uh, and went past us, and they're amazing. This old lady, she—I I couldn't tell you. How, she was old. She looked old, mm-hmm. but she had bare feet and uh, carrying a big bundle, and uh, she's just she can out hike any of the best hikers in in Park City. You know? <laughs> she had no no way of you know. She was just. And the ones with her, too, they were just marching along, you know, and mm. we won't um, uh, and they do this every day, yeah, you know, and that was that's amazing we we went up to one village which was uh um up the top of the side of this mountain, and it was kind of like the hike we did today, mm-hmm. and it was just straight up this. Uh, mountain and the and the, all the Nepali that were with us, we went up a fairly low, fairly large group, and they're just in flip flops, and they're <laughs> charging up, and we're uh, you know the um, the white guys are just made it up there, but it was not you know uh, as good as they did these native people down in southern Nepal. They're amazing, they're yeah. absolutely amazing, yeah, know, and. And so uh, the, the lifestyle is so much different. And uh, and they don't always get enough to eat. So they're skinnier, thinner.
1: Most of them, a lot of them are thinner. Right. You know, it depends. And they got to move a lot there. I mean, they're hiking in the mountains, right? Yeah. And, and walking la- on the streets. The
0: labor there um, and the harvesting, the rice, and we a lot of times are there during the harvest season. Uh, they're out there with sickles and, there's no machines. There's a whole bunch of people out there with sickles, right. you know, cutting down the the rice and stacking it in piles. We also saw, uh, you know, it's not uncommon to see people uh, separating the wheat from the chaff, like they say in the Bible. These these guys are out there with their grains in these big, like, blanket things, and they're throwing it up in the wind after it's dried out and letting all the the chaff get blown away, and then they burn it. Wow! So a lot of the farming is there's a few tractors around, but most of it is in my hand. I've seen them mm. I've seen him, uh, plowing fields with oxen. You know, so it's um, you know a more exercise, yeah, and and more
1: uh, work. right to make things happen yeah the movement is in the work right and that's and that's really what the message is about you know exercise being a supplement to make up for the fact that we don't move or work like that in the fields anymore or by hand or or with a trade Mm -hmm. with those things now you mentioned the bible and you know we were talking earlier today about how fasting is in the bible and how god wants us to fast and you know i i interviewed dr mindy Pell's and she said, "Our bodies are designed to heal us, heal ourselves." And um, so, I wanted you to talk a little bit about fasting in the Bible and 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 what's in there, and 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 what motivates you to to, to fast. I always, uh, up until
0: recently, in the last few years, I I kind of re- couldn't get my arms around this idea of fasting, you know, in the Bible, and pray and. Uh, to meditate on God's word and all that, but to fast, I wasn't sure about that. But once we started keto and started recognizing the health benefits, I realized that God gave us instructions that for our own good, for our our health. And one of the things when he said fast, uh fasting uh, keto doctors and look up youtube I, i'm not going to promote anybody but there's a lot of keto doctors out there on youtube you can type in keto and you'll find a lot of specialists heart specialists and internal medicine people in that, and they all recommend a fast long-term fast <clears throat> and your body When it starts burning fat uh, on a fast, it's very good for you. Well, God gave us that, Mm. that uh, he said fast. And I think even though it seems like a sacrifice and and it is spiritual, it also is very good for us. Mm. And the uh, diet, the kosher diet that he gave the Jews is very healthy. Yeah, right. you don't eat too much, but right. <laughs> but uh, and so I think uh, fasting has been a, a, a blessing to us. We've I met, I must admit when I uh, first started it, I felt a little uncomfortable because because we brought up eating three meals a day, you know whether you need to or not and. Uh, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time for breakfast. Oh, it's noon, time for lunch. You know, 6 o'clock in the evening, oh, time for for uh, dinner. And they're all big meals. You know, no wonder, you know, he, he ended up uh, right. <laughs> struggling with, right. with obesity. So now I try to eat um, no more than two meals a day and quite often one. Wow. And uh, we fast the uh, – intermittent fast, but six, at least 16 hours a day mm. and uh, the body feels better. Wow. You know, and you don't feel so bloated and, and, uh, um, just
1: leaner, leaner and meaner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not really meaner.
1: No, I know that, but <laughs> I, I get it right. Meaner meaning that you can attack a, a, a trail or, um, or a slope or whatever season it is. And you even mentioned that, you know, like you were struggling at one point snow, snowshoeing, but now you, you're able to do that because of that. But I, I just want to want to celebrate you, Bob, and, and say, thank you for sharing your story. And um also, you know, being, you know, with me and for me all these years it has been, it's been a, you've been a blessing to my life. And I wanted to say thank you for that. and, I, you know i ask every guest this question and we've talked about this on our on our hikes and over the time um is if you could give one piece of advice on how somebody can extend their health span um what would that piece of advice be
0: well i think uh what we talked a lot about already you need the. Regular exercise, it's something that you enjoy doing. I don't enjoy going to the gyms. I, I've oh. tried it a few times, and and, and I don't enjoy going to the gyms. I'd rather be uh, hiking mm-hmm. or out on the on a bicycle or something like that. So find something you enjoy that relaxes you, and
1: and uh, not golf. Uh <laughs> <laughs> not golf, no. And, uh, I, I, I'm not playing golf anymore for different reasons, but that's not. I apologize
0: to the golfers and if you enjoy <laughs> it, go for it. But <laughs> the um uh and that's one thing. then then watch your diet of course. Um keep tabs on your um your body uh do the fasting. I think keto is probably one of the best things out there now that you can do. But I was telling Scott, I bought a uh, – I lost faith in my my little bathroom scale I had. I just didn't trust the thing anymore, and it just seemed to flip around too much on and, and, and our weight. And it's like you uh, get on the scale and weigh, and you go in t- into the shower – haven't done anything but wash off dirt. You go back on the scale, and it's a half a pound lighter. How'd that happen? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It just didn't seem to be accurate anymore. So I bought uh, a high-tech scale that um, I believe is very accurate. And it also has an app. And it does all this other – I don't know how it does it. And and I'm an engineer. But anyway, it measures – your body mass bone structure how percentage of fat etc and that has been a big uh, there's about nine different things it measures and sadie likes it because she she's worried about bone her bone stru- you know uh mass and stuff like that so we, we can get the the scale tells you all that stuff it right. gives you graphs and so it mm-hmm. helps motivate us to um stay with what we're doing, because we can see the uh, what's happening in our in our um, in our body, um, I they recommend after a certain age of a yearly uh, physical. I strongly recommend that mm-hmm. um, we do that as part of the course Medicare. We uh, every year we we go in and and there's um, some things I reject that you know we can say oh uh, well we know we do our own investigation too on the web on certain issues i won't mention them uh but uh because i'm not a doctor and i can't you know i know what what works for me but so i right. don't want to get into any of the controversial stuff but uh, years ago the doctor um maybe four or five years ago he, he's uh I don't snore. I think it felt like I had a pretty good night's sleep. And and uh, he, he recommended uh, a sleep apnea test. And I says, that's ridiculous. I don't snore. I sleep good. And, but I was getting a little tired in the afternoons, you know. Mm-hmm. All, old people get tired in the afternoons, right? Said, <laughs> right. So uh, I finally uh, – and I was having blood pressure issues. And he says – and the thing that got me into the program was, he says it'll help lower your blood pressure. Mm. Well, I'm ready for anything that's going to help lower my blood pressure,
1: except know? pharmaceuticals. You're not going to do that, right? Yeah,
0: I won't do the uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I am. I I do take blood pressure. Oh, oh,
1: you do. Okay. Yeah, I'm I,
0: not off of them. I'd like to be off of them, uh, but but I've even with the blood pressure medicine, I was high. Right. So now that I'm keto, I'm low, I, I, the goal is to maybe get
1: off of the blood pressure. Right. And because I know you were mentioning that about cholesterol, you weren't going to take a statin. That wasn't going right. to happen. And that's right. where I drew yeah, that I information from. I didn't want to get
0: into that, but yes. Yes. Uh, right.
1: But we talked but about- Anyway, when we, then we let me finish my story. Okay. Go ahead. Uh,
0: so I went and I finally said, well, okay, I'll, I'll take the test and, and see. And uh, what happens is when your body is not getting the oxygen it needs, and you're sleeping in the middle of the night, it it um, takes you out of a deep sleep to get you to breathe more and bring more oxygen into your body, and then and then uh, you can settle back down into it. that. That's an event they call it an event. So right. you um, your body is um, never gets into a real solid long-term sleep because it keeps bringing you up a little bit so you can start breathing right. And mm-hmm. so they measured my, I was getting over 40 events an hour wow. of, uh, wow. you know, waking of, uh, the body trying. And so, you, uh, trying to keep the oxygen at the right level. And so I, I um this is the way I understand it. once again I'm not a medical person right but um, so I went ahead and and um, got the sleep app you know, machine and uh, there's a mask and uh, that you put on in a machine that provides uh, just regular air greater air pressure right? mm-hmm. pres- that's what I think it is. Um, and uh, it measures how long you sleep. Measures how many events you have an hour. So most days now, my events per hour is like point nine, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe sometimes four or something like that. But that gives me a better night's sleep, and I don't, I'm not uh, falling asleep in the middle of the middle of the afternoon. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people who have fall asleep, and you know, older people especially, are probably suffering from sleep apnea. Right. Uh, we were years ago. We went to a guy who, um, was doing an evening with Mark Twain, and and you would do a uh, actor, and you go in there. It's like Mark Twain had done these. Um, I went around the country doing these uh, speaking engagements, and the, and one of the things that Mark Twain was famous for was falling asleep in the middle of a story. You know, <laughs> and 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 uh, so we, the guy, the actor, was very good, and he did that. You know, and he's in the middle of a story, and he just kind of nods off, and then all of a sudden he comes back to the story. So I think um, Mark Twain, and probably many, many older people, my age um have those sleep issues and they don't realize and not trying to sell sleep apnea or anything right. but for me uh it has helped me have more energy and helped me to to um you know I'm not going to it's what three o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm wide awake. Right. So that's a good thing. But uh so that's you know, I am aging. I I I gotta. I admit that not everything works the way it used to. You know, and right, and so and as the body gets older, it's uh, there, you're going to be challenged by um, different things. You know, right. Uh, I've had two sh- shoulder surgeries uh, mm-hmm. because of. Um, bone spurs and stuff like that and recuperated recovered from them very well and and so uh, but it's due to age arthritis and stuff like that and now they can go on there and clean the bone off and uh, isoscopically and so uh, and my thyroid died when I was 50 you know so I'm just doing it right. so modern me- you know I can't say it's all you know though, Modern medicine has helped an awful lot. It has to get me to where I'm at, Mm -hmm. where I'm feeling strong and where. So I I wouldn't, you know, they. So you do need, as you get older, I think to, um, you know, go in once a month, once a year, and uh, have your um, doctor look you over and and uh, you know check, make sure everything's working properly. Get the blood tests, you know. And if you recommend something, you know, you can go and investigate it and choose whether you think it's a valid thing for you or not. I rejected the sleep
1: acne. Later on I reconsidered and I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, sleep is such an important piece of the puzzle. I actually think in the hierarchy of the seven pillars of being a longevity, mindset is number one, which we talked about that, and sleep is number two, because sleep touches everything. If you don't get enough sleep, you could spike your insulin, uh, which could lead to weight gain. Also, um, your hunger hormone called ghrelin is not regulated and you're just hungry all day long. So here you are, you're eating all day long mm-hmm. and you're compounding on that because your insulin's high and your body's storing fat. Yeah. And uh, so, um, sleep, you know, or you to be able to. To instead of wanting to take a nap at three o'clock in the afternoon at seventy eight after a, a hike, you're ready to go garden or tend to the chickens or <laughs> go work on the or bicycle, the, or bicycle whatever, yeah. or put the shower in that you're you're putting into the bathroom. We we talked about so there's so all those things that that could come come about um, there. So, Bob, I just wanted, um, we're getting short on time and I just want to say thank you so much for for allowing me to, to pick your brain and to share your story with the listeners. So, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's been a great pleasure. All right. Thank you. The statements expressed in this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Thank you for listening to The Modern Longevitarian. Please show your support by giving us a kind review and subscribing. You can also learn so much more about increasing the quality of your life today and the quantity of your life tomorrow at our website, modernlongevitarian.com. You can also join our private Facebook group at the link in the show notes. Come back next week for another amazing episode of The Modern Longevitarian.